The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl G., and I'll be your host for the hour, along with our co-host, Jenny Fermer. Jenny, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Thank you. And also as a guest host, we have Andre Howard. Andre, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Yes. And, Jenny, you want to say a little bit about your organization, and then, Andre, I'll ask you to do the same as our guest host, and then we'll talk a little bit more to our guest for the hour that's going to share with us on this topic of uh, strategies for managing email overload. So, Jenny, want to introduce yourself and the organization a little bit? Thank you, Dr. G. I'm Jenny Fruma. I'm the Associate Executive Director at a social service agency in West Palm Beach, Florida, the Elpert Jewish Family and Children's Service. And, um, boy, do I need some coaching on this topic. <laughs> Again, thanks for being with us, Jenny. And, um, Andre, would you like to um, introduce your organization? Absolutely. Well? Uh, again, Andre Howard. I am the Vice President of Intellectual Capital at the Alliance for Children and Families, and we are a, um, a membership association. We like to call ourselves an effective intermediary for the nonprofit human service sector uh, in providing a number of uh, services um, around leadership development, uh, public policy, civic engagement, uh, grant uh, funding pass-throughs and a host of other services that we provide to nonprofit human service organizations throughout the country. And again, glad to be here and looking forward to the conversation. Great. Okay, and Andre, you have to say that title one more time. Vice President of what? Of intellectual capital. <laughs> I like say I'm one? changing my title. I want a title like that. <laughs> well, good. Again, wonderful having you on the line today. Thank you. Yes, and then we have the author of um, Taming the Email Beast on the on the phone with us today as well, who's going to walk us through something that I'm really challenged with, and that is managing the overload of emails that we receive on a daily basis. Randall Dean, thank you and for joining us, and welcome to the show. Sure thing. Thanks. It's great to be here today. Great. Would you like to say a little bit about yourself to kind of introduce your perspective? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, for about the last 22 years, I've been leading and teaching programs on time management and the related use of technology. First 14 years, I was basically doing this stuff as a designated internal expert for organizations like Procter & Gamble and their market research group, Michigan State University's College of Business, and uh, the Scientific Journal Advances. And the people that I worked with would always tell me um, two things. One, you're a little bit over the top when it comes to this whole time and technology management thing. 
Number two, you ought to do something with this passion. And so about eight years ago, I decided to start my own private practice. And I've been going all over the United States, Canada, and even Europe a few times, leading and teaching programs on time management related use of technology. And for about the last six or seven years now, I uh, have had a really strong focus on effective email management. And um, that's sort of what led into writing the book, Taming the Email Beast, a couple of years ago, which performed really well on Amazon uh, when we did the launch and uh, have been going around the country leading and teaching programs in this area. Well, fabulous, and I love that combination of time management and um, marrying it with the use of technology. So really uh, looking forward to seeing what you have to say about this topic. Sure thing. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you in your um, dealing with uh, individuals and your um, engagement, what have you heard to be the biggest challenge that people face in taming the email beast? Oh, there's so many. Uh, you know, when you think about the nature of email, it's easy to see why it becomes a beast for a lot of people. Some people receive several hundred messages a day. And now do the math on this. You know, if you get 200 messages a day and you just spend two minutes per message, that's 400 minutes. That's several hours of work just processing the emails that are coming in. Um, you know, the average professional now is getting anywhere between two and four or more hours a day of email work just in their daily process. But one of the things that I found by going out on the road, and I ask this question in a lot of my big seminar programs around the country, how many of you have had email training, formal strategic level email training, about 1% to 3%. So this tool that takes 25 to 50% of a normal person's work day is um, only 1% to 3% have had training on how to use it. So they basically have had to figure it out on their own and watch what other people around them are doing, many of which are doing really, really bad habits. So these bad habits sort of percolate, percolate right through organizations. The other thing that I've seen is that some people seem to be what I would call email addicted meaning they have to check their email almost the second any new one comes in. And statistics have shown that about 20 to 25% of modern email users are now checking their email 20 to 25 times a day or more, which means if you do the math, that means every couple of minutes. <laughs> so all of these have conspired to actually turn email from being this really impressive productivity enhancement tool to what a lot of people consider a significant drag on productivity that gets in the way of getting work done. So, um, you know, a lot of this has been happening, and it's not getting better. It seems that the flow of email and the flow of work in email continues to get worse over time. Mm. Jenny, how about yourself and Andre? Any thoughts you want to share on what you see to be the biggest challenge that people face in taming this email beast or adding to what uh, Randy just shared? I, I really respond, and what resonates me is the drag on productivity. I can see how um, emails can certainly be viewed that way. I'm really both a good person and not such a good person to address and be a part of this discussion, to be dead honest with you, because I'm one of those people that are on email 24-7, truly. I am constantly... Um, kind of henpecking, I walk around with my iPad, I walk around with my phone, I walk around with my Bluetooth in my ear. Um, and I think what ends up happening is that you build up when you are that way, as you were saying, Randy, the expectation is built up that you are responding on a, such a regular basis. And so it kind of creates its own, <laughs> perpetuates the monster, the beast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Andre, thoughts for yourself? Andre Howard. I've got a... Agree with uh, what uh, 
uh, Jenny and Randall have said thus far, because it's so tough to get away from uh, checking email, particularly in our society where um, some of the social forces are just uh, pushing us to respond and to respond um, as immediately as we possibly can to an email message. Uh, and it's, it, you know, I certainly find it always challenging to, to uh, again, understand uh, and put in perspective, uh, again, email messages, when to respond, how to respond, particularly as I think about my own role um, here at the Alliance where we are focused on members first. And so the need to respond to an email, whether it's at uh, uh, 6 a.m. in the morning or 6 p.m. in the afternoon, evening time, uh, I feel and find myself in that rut in terms of always trying to be responsive and be responsible and be accountable somewhat. And I think uh, I've kind of fallen into the trick bag of, of, of just feeling the need to respond and to do it immediately in that, um, you know, people may be impatient um, or, or may find me not to be as responsive if I don't respond right away. So um, certainly trying to understand and put all of that into perspective is is the big challenge for me as well. Yeah. You know, funny, I remember, like, maybe in the mid-late 90s, I was working at the city of San Diego, and when emails, when it was introduced to our unit, that we were getting emails. You know, a lot of us were like, oh, great, yay, we're kind of coming into technology. But there was one person who responded. Kathy said, um, oh, my God, it's just another way for people to get at us. And we kind of laughed, um, but she was probably right. <laughs> and I think many of what you're saying, I think that there is an expectation when people see that you have all your gadgets that there would be an immediate response and that you are attentive to all of those. So, Randy, when we ask you, you know, what are some of the strategies that you would help, suggest? Help, Randall, help. <laughs> well, the first thing is, uh, exactly. you know, let me, let, me just, let me just have you think about this and reflect on this. If you are always immediately responsive and you are getting a very heavy flow of email messages, that combination, how can you ever possibly get any work done. Well, I mean, I think think some of it is work. You're getting some work done. Well, the thing is that if you have any kind of long-frame productivity that needs to be done, Mm -hmm. and constantly and never-endingly distracted by immediate messaging, like email, text messages, social media even, it it makes it almost impossible to get any kind of long-frame work done. And and long-frame work tends to be the work that has the highest value quotient to it, mm-hmm. um, deeper project work, deeper value creation, et cetera. Now, I'm not saying that you should never check your email either, but what I'm saying is that if you're in this trap where you feel like you have to check every message the second it comes in and respond to the majority of those messages, it's going to make it really hard for you to reach the value quotient you're trying to in the bigger picture of your work in your life. And so... So that's one of the first things. And so one of the things that I talk about in my program is that I want people to get off of what I call the bling thing. And and it has nothing to do with hip-hop culture. When I'm saying (laughs) bling, it's that little sound that your email makes. And when that little sound fires off, a a large majority of people immediately go check their email. And what I'm trying to coach people is, no, you you got to have a strategy, a regimen. And when I say a regimen, what that means is, Figure out how often you need to check your email to be what I call appropriately responsive, meaning you get back to people 
in a reasonable amount of time so that they're not upset that you're being unresponsive, but you also give yourself some sheltered blocks of time to get some work done. And that combination, now, if you're, if you're a big-time customer servant, your, your regimen is going to be shorter. You might check your email every 30 to 45 minutes. If you're more of a um, project-based person, you might only check your email every 75, every 90, every 120 minutes, so you've got bigger blocks of time to get your work done. And that's one of the first strategies that I share to get the sanity back because otherwise you're so distracted you can never get any traction in your work. So, so that's one of the first strategies that I recommend. Just get on a smart regimen and try to check it at more set points throughout the day. Okay. Other um, strategies that you might recommend? Well, another strategy is this. you got to have a process on how to handle each and every one. And when I say that, what, this is the thing. So now I'm trying to coach you to get on a regimen, check your email within on, time, on sort of set times throughout the day. But when you check your email, what do you do with each and every email? Here's what I recommend you do. And, and I have to give a little credit where credit's due. Um, I've been following another leader in the field of time and productivity management named David Allen, who you may have heard of before. Uh, he wrote the book Getting Things Done. And he sort of gave me a little hint about this when I first started doing this. Uh, one of the things that um, he taught me 20-plus years ago is this thing called the one-touch rule, which used to be from the old paper-based days, which is this. If you get anything new, and it's from the old paper-based days because you used to have to touch what came on your desk, um, you know, back in the dark mm-hmm. ages, the late 80s and early 90s, before email really got really popular, you actually touched documents. And the one-touch rule said if you touch something new, if you look at something new, if you listen to something new, the very first time you touch it, look at it, listen to it, make a decision what you're going to do with it. Now, that flies in the face of modern email usage statistics. Here's a mind-blowing statistic about the way people manage email. The average professional email user reads each and every email they receive on average between three and seven times before they either put that email on a task list or get the task inside of it done. And you can see how that can happen. You know, you get this flow of email coming in, oh, what's this one? Let me check this one real quick. Uh, You know what, I don't have time for that. I'll look at it again later. And again, and again, and again. And if you keep doing that over and over again, obviously you're not getting anything done each and every time you're looking at that email. As a matter of fact, I always say, you know, do you know the clinical definition of insanity? That's pretty close. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm trying to get people to do is the first time they look at it, decide what they need to do, and make that decision the very first time you read it. But then here's the little wrinkle that David Allen taught. If it's quick, if it's something you can handle quickly in a couple minutes or less, do those ones right now. Mm-hmm. Don't let them stack. Because if you think about it, if you look at the same little quick little email that you could have just sent a reply or looked up a quick little piece of information, and you look at it three to seven times, you've just doubled or tripled how long that task takes. Mm-hmm. All right? Okay. So get the quick ones done right away. Longer ones, get on a task list. Okay. All right? Very so good. So that's the process. You know, if a new one comes in and you're looking at your email, mm-hmm. quick ones you handle right away, longer ones you add to your task list. All right. And that makes decision-making come in. Great. So we're going to take a short break, and when we return, we're going to continue on this topic and have Randy share some additional um, tips with us and strategies for gaining some sanity around managing our email boxes and perhaps one day miraculously even getting down to zero. (laughs) So please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions.
comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email Dr. G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about the show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're talking about strategies for managing email overload, and with us today we have our co-host, Jenny Firmer, and our guest host, Andre Howard, and the author of Taming the Email Beast, Randy Dean. Or see, actually your book says Randall Dean, not the you like Randy, right? Yes. Um, okay. Yes. Very good. <laughs> so before we went to break, um, Randy, you were stressing to us the importance of either doing it or tasking it. So then what? Okay, well, what happens is, of course, you still got that email in your inbox. And, um, you know, one of the things I teach in my programs is, you know, if you've got that task inside the email done or you've got the task inside the email identified and on your task list, you really need it in your inbox anymore. And so there's two things you can do with that email naturally. One is file it for later reference, all right? So, so it's something you want to keep, but you don't need to keep it in your inbox. You want to file it into a subfolder location, most email software, allows you to make subfolders within your inbox where you can store and save emails for later. And um, Or the other option, of course, is, well, you did everything you need to do, just delete the darn thing so it's not there anymore. Um, so, you know, so what, I, what I'm teaching is once you've either made a decision and added to a task list or got the actual task done, file or delete that message. Now, the natural thing is, well, what if I don't have a good folder to file it into? Make one and put it there. And see, so now if you think about this, that basically get, covers every option you have with an email. When you get a new one in, if it's quick, you handle it. If it's not quick, you task it. 
Once it's done or tasked, you file it or delete it. And if you don't have a good place to file it, you make one and you put it there. See, and so what I want people to have is, is this smart process because it takes out the indecision that comes in when it comes to managing your email. A lot of people are like, well, what do I do with it now? What do I do with it now? And so they sit on it and they handle it multiple times when it's not necessary to necessarily handle it multiple times, thus giving you efficiency of process, which saves time and enhances productivity. Okay, great. Andre or Jenny, any thoughts or questions from either of you? Andre, go ahead. Well, again, this discussion is very relevant and very timely. Um, uh, as I think about, again, what you were talking about, Randy, it sounds so easy, sounds so simple, and, and yet, again, trying to unwind from from moving away from checking emails, those kinds of things. Um, an interesting piece I wanted to just bring to light, I, I'm not sure, Randy, are there any health consequences to, to, to email checking all the time? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm finding myself, again, checking emails uh, constantly, and I want to move away from that, and I think some of the tips you provided certainly are going to help me go down that pathway. But are, are there any health risks at all related to um, c continuously checking email? I mean, anything about that? Well, it's interesting that you bring that up. Uh, I actually came across a study a couple of years ago that was done by the Institute of Psychiatry at the University of London. And what the study found is nothing short of fascinating. What it basically found is that people that are incessantly checking their email, uh, meaning they get a heavy, heavy flow of email throughout the day and they're constantly going in and checking those emails as they're coming in, the scientific evidence shows that those people suffered a tangible 10-point hit to their IQ. Wow. Okay. Now, to put that in perspective, that's roughly the same loss you'd experience if you missed an entire night's sleep and more than double the four-point loss you'd have after smoking marijuana. Oh, wow. No kidding. All right? <laughs> so, so if you're getting a heavy flow of emails, voicemails, text messages, and you're trying to attend to those items in real time, it is literally clinically making you stupid. Andre, that is not a good thing. No. Definitely not a good thing. And oh, wow. so that's why that's why this process management coupled with a smarter regimen is so inherently critical for people sure. because they need to know how to handle them so they're not touching them so many times each. And to know how to get them on a regimen so that they can space out this work so that it's not nearly as, as distracting in the long term. Sure. And if you use that combination, you can find productivity again. Sure. Wow. So that's uh, really powerful to think about. I, I know I unfortunately have experienced de uh, sleep deprivation. <laughs> I don't know about the marijuana piece there. But <laughs> But that alone, I'm sure, would you know, could lead to my being less than attentive, and then to couple that with uh, further um, distraction could definitely take away from appearing to be on top of things or being able to be on top of things. So that's really something to really uh, think about going to your appropriately responsive versus. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I suffer from. Um, being overly responsive, I'm sure that some people who send me emails would like me to be more responsive. I just got to, I have to figure the whole thing out. So this is a great conversation for me because I'm definitely trying to tame my email um, beast. Jenny, yeah. any thoughts from yourself? 
Uh, I'm just really listening very intently, and, and that study that they did in the U.K. really is unbelievably fascinating because I can tell when I've done an intense 10 or 15 minutes of emails and someone might walk into my office, and that's the other part of our culture at our organization. We have an open-door policy. So it's not only being, and I mean this with great respect and not in an inappropriate or pejorative way, but you're being bombarded by emails, and then people are constantly flowing in and out of your office. So in terms of that really strategic kind of productivity, the only time to do that is in the wee hours of the morning. Um, so sleep deprivation, um, I apparently have a lot fewer brain cells than I had, <laughs> that I thought I had. Um, it, it really Just imagine is, how much smarter we'd be if we stopped responding right, to emails but, and get rest and sleep. Right, but Randy, it really <laughs> takes me back to your opening comment, and that is that none of us have had any formal training around this, and yet mm-hmm. so much of our work is directed energy Mm -hmm. is directed and so much of our energies are taken away from. Yeah. So, Randy, let me ask, is there such a thing, is there such a way of getting down to what you talk about in your um, book, um, and that is that magical space of of zero in the inbox? Oh, absolutely. Uh, As a matter of fact, you know, um, one, one one little side thing for what we were just all mentioning here, uh, which is, which is sort of fun. I, one of the things I, I coach my clients on is this. You gotta work with your own clients, your customers, your coworkers, whoever it is that is in touch with you with email. If you're gonna switch to this philosophy and you haven't been doing this philosophy of having a regimen and try, checking your email at sort of set times throughout the day, one thing you want, you, you'll need to do is you'll need to actually have some conversations with the people that are around you who have basically become spoiled by your immediate response. And so what you're going to basically need to tell them is, hey, listen, email's gotten so in the way for me that what I'm doing now is I'm switching to more of a regimen-based methodology for handling my email. That means I'm only going to check it every hour, every 90 minutes, whatever your regimen is, and let them know that, but then also give them permission to basically give you a phone call. You know, mm-hmm. say, if you got something that you need faster response than this regimen, that's fine. Just give me a call. That way I'm not checking my email all the time, but I can still be immediately responsive for you in the appropriate circumstances. Mm -hmm. But the problem that people have is that not every email they send is Red Hot Urgent, and not every email you receive is coming from your boss or your key client. And so if you're checking every message coming in to see if it's Red Hot Urgent from your important people, you're not getting anything done. So coach the people that matter the most to use that other form of communication called voice to to do better, and that that will help couple this so it all ties together. Mm-hmm. Um, now now coming back to what you were talking about about email zero, here's the thing: if you've got this this process segment set up and you start to follow it with all your new messages, you've already taken one big step because you're handling the quick ones, you're tasking the long ones, you're then filing or deleting the ones that you are done with, and you're creating a file structure within your inbox. So you're, you've sort of built the base infrastructure to getting close to zero because now what you have to do is handle the old ones. And handling the old ones is not really as daunting as many people think. Um, you know, if you've got a couple hundred, block a half day. Maybe you come in on the weekend and you go one by one through each of those emails, handling them the way we just mentioned. Um, now, what's interesting is, you know, I ask this question in a lot of my programs, and, and you, hopefully you'll find this sort of funny. 
I ask, how many of you have more than 250 emails in your inbox? And I'll get probably 70% of the room raises their hand. Yeah, try 6,000. Ouch. Yeah, 6,000. Now, now, think about this. Now, this is my funny second question, though. So I ask that, 70% raise their hand. I say, keep your hands up. How many of you have some folders? Nobody takes their hand down. Nobody. <laughs> okay, so what that means. Now, do you see why this is funny? They're already doing what I'm asking them to do. They're just not doing it every time. Some of the times they're filing their messages, some of the times they're leaving them in their inbox. Right. Hmm. They, consistency. Now, I'll tell you this. If you're not going to do it every time, maybe you shouldn't file them at all. Because right. now you've got your stuff in more than one place, right there you've just created an efficiency. Wow. So more to think about. You know, we're going to take a break, and I know that Valerie has been scanning to see what our audience is thinking and um, questions that they want to ask, and I want to ask you a little bit more about your thoughts on managing carbon copies and forwards and those crisis emails as well as, you know, what is referenced as the email firebomb and how do we handle it as well? <laughs> so, One of my favorite emails. I love talking about that. <laughs> so let's take a, another break, and then we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email drg at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters having this uh, fabulous conversation on strategies for managing email overload. And with us today, we have co-host Jenny Firmer, guest host Andre 
Howard. Our associate producer, Valerie Wright, has just joined us. Welcome to the conversation, Valerie. Thank you, Dr. G. Yes, and leading us with content on this conversation today, we have the author of Taming the Email Beast, Randall Dean. And thanks, Randy. Sounds great being here. Yes. Valerie, you had some questions from a listening audience. Why don't we yes. start with those first? Okay. have a question from Tyler in Michigan. Tyler's question is, the company I work for has an automatic delete for email boxes. Every four months, emails over 90 days are deleted. Because of some past experiences, I have been printing emails that I think will help me with issues that might come back to haunt me at work. What do you advise on this? Uh, You know, honestly, when I hear that, I can understand where the company policy is coming from. Basically, what the company has done is installed a document and e-document retention policy. And for legal purposes, they are basically um, at the point where either for data management purposes or possibly legal retention policy purposes, they've decided summarily to um, get rid of the vast majority of emails. Uh, but I can also understand from an individual perspective that some of you may want to have retention of some of those emails that are older than 90 days or older than four months uh, because you might need them to be able to either better do your work or possibly you need it for personal protection purposes. And what I might recommend that you consider is something um, that not a lot of people realize um, most email software, you can actually save an email outside of the software. You can actually save it into a hard drive or share drive location, so that would negate the need to have to print. Um, you know, so you can actually take an email from like a tool like Microsoft Outlook and actually save it right into your Windows Explorer drive in some of your file cabinets and folders uh, online. Um, you know, the other thing that you could always do, now, now I have to give a little disclaimer, there is some potential confidentiality risk with this policy, so I want you to think carefully about whether this could cause you problems in your organization. But you could potentially take some of the emails that you feel are really um, important or critical for you to have ref- for reference later in your work and forward them on to your own personal email account. So then you could basically save the ones that are really critical and important in a separate email account that's outside of your work. But now think about what I just said. There is definitely a confidentiality potential issue there. So mm-hmm. so I want you to use caution. I think the safest thing would be to potentially take the emails that you want to save and maybe print them to PDF and save them into a share drive location or just move the email into a share drive location that is outside of your actual email software, outside of your email inbox, and that way you get the best of both. Your email is clean, the items are deleted, but now they're saved in an electronic format that you can reference later if necessary. And And hopefully that gives you some ideas on some ways to maybe get around that little issue. Okay, great. Um, thank you, and thank you for the question. What was who was the, the, the question, Valerie? Tyler. Tyler. Thank you, Tyler, for that question, and thanks, Randy, for the answer. Valerie, did you have another question? I have a question from Marilyn in California. Marilyn states, in your fourth strategy, you remind us not to forget the old standby a conversation which I prefer, but most people prefer email. How do I encourage others to pick up the phone or walk down the hall to speak with me? Yeah, that's tricky. Um, Some people definitely have uh, preferences. I still know some people that strongly prefer 
to um, use voice instead of email. And so one of the things I always recommend when you're working with um, individuals and professionals is to basically uh, find out what their primary favorite communication mode is and try to, uh, as best you can, meet that need. But, you know, that being said, you know, if you've got somebody that really has a strong preference and bias for email, but they're not using it properly, a la sending difficult, emotional, complex, confusing communications by email that's causing more problems than it helps, I'd point that out to them. The other thing that I would, you know, let them know is that you're trying to follow this regimen-based philosophy and explain to them why. You know, say, I'm basically trying to check my email now on a more periodic basis because that allows me to focus and get more high-quality work done and not be so distracted. Here's the problem with that. By doing that, that means that if you send me an email and you need me to respond in 10 or 15 minutes, I might not. So if you really want me to read that email, call me and tell me you sent me the email. You don't still have to have the conversation necessarily, but at least you're forcing them to call you to at least let you know that they sent an email that you need to check more quickly. And I think that if you can do a couple of those things, that it may help. But, you know, I, I think a more frank conversation with a person explaining where email makes sense is a good communication tool. And I'll tell you where I think email makes sense. It's a great tool for simple text, task, and information distribution. It's wonderful for that. If the information is simple and easy to understand, email is great. But the minute it gets confusing, difficult, or emotional, it's one of the worst communication tools you can possibly use. And so explain that to the people that are overusing email and using it in the wrong circumstances, and maybe they'll be more likely to uh, change the conversation. No promises, though. Some people, you know, you can lead a horse to water. Uh, I'll just say that. You can lead a horse to water. doesn't mean they'll drink. Okay. <laughs> All righty. Thank you for that response. And Marilyn in California, thank you so much for the question. As you were answering that question, Randy, something was triggered, and I don't know, I could have been on one of my sleep deprivation spaces, but I think I read something in your book about um, a suggestion about having three email boxes. Yes, absolutely. Um, I actually recommend that you divide and conquer your email, and when you think about it, there's primarily three types of emails that you're receiving. You have your work-related emails, which are coming from your clients, coworkers, customers, vendors, et cetera. You have all the fun stuff that comes from your family and friends, um, which is usually the exact antithesis of work-related. And then you've got junk and spam and marketing communications, et cetera, that are coming in from people that you maybe have done work with before or people that you purchased products from before, et cetera. And so what I'm recommending is that you actually divide and conquer those three types of email. Keep your work account pristine. Don't give it out to those evil, devious family and friend members um, because, you know, if they get it, they're going to send you emails, and 90% of the time it's jokes, junk, JPEGs, and forwarded YouTube video links. Um, you know, that doesn't help your productivity and actually can get you in trouble. Um, you know, the United States court system is cited on the side of employers when it comes to electronic mail privacy, basically saying if your employer provided you the workstation, the computer, the Internet access, and the software, it's not your email, it's theirs. And so if you're doing too much goofy stuff in your work email, you can actually get in trouble for that. Um, but, you know, the other thing is, is that it's a distraction. You know, I mean, if you're already swamped with work email and now you add in that additional factor of family and friends, you're going to get even further behind and even more stressed. 
you know, and it just adds to the flow. So put that in a personal box that you check before work, after work, on your personal time. Now, that third account is what I call your Internet account, and what that one is very specifically for is any transaction that you are doing out on the web, a la purchasing something from Amazon, um, signing up for a new social media network, downloading a free podcast or special report. They always want a valid email address. As a matter of fact, they very often will not even let you complete the transaction until they get a valid email address. Don't give them work or personal. Because why do they want that email address so badly? You tell me, why do they want your email address so bad? To fill it with junk. They want to send you stuff. They want to sell <laughs> to you. They want to market to you. And some of the more nefarious rapscallions, what are they going to do with it? They're going to sell it. Wow. There's money in wow. our email. Mm-hmm. 82% of emails now sent globally are junk or spam. Yeah. 82%. And you've got to have a strategy for this. Now, here's the thing about that third account. Do I occasionally use it for a real work or personal transaction? Yeah, I do use it for that. And I'll get the appropriate follow-up email in that third account. But here's the thing. I check that account once or twice a day. I look for the real messages that I'm expecting. The real messages I forward to work or personal. I am the person sending now, not the spammer. Once I get the two or three real ones I'm looking for out of there, guess what I do with everything else? Dump it. Delete. Ask, delete ruthlessly. And see, that keeps those messages from getting integrated in my work stream or my personal stream. And it keeps those, those two addresses almost like unlisted telephone numbers. Mm. Spammers cannot get you if they can't find you. Oh. So you want to Correct. keep your Randy, work he... and personal accounts pristine and hidden. Okay. So, Jenny, I think I heard you trying to say something. Yeah. If, if you already have your email address and you're getting all of these things and you really don't have the chance to change it, um, <laughs> how do you... Is there a way to uninvite them, or do you just simply delete, delete, delete as you see them in your mailbox? Well, now, there are a couple options that you have. One is the first option is probably the best, but it also can be somewhat painful. If you've been using your work and or your personal email account for the junk spam type transactions, they've got you. And so what you probably want to seriously consider is getting a brand-new email address for either work or personal. All right, you probably want to seriously consider that, but here's the problem with that. you got to contact everybody in your contact database and let them know you've got a new email address, and you probably still need to monitor the old addresses at least for a couple months to see if anybody you missed anybody. All right, but the ideal thing would be to get those, those accounts to where the junk and spam distributors don't have you. Now, the other option that you have, a lot of people say, well, hit the unsubscribe link that they give. You know, because a lot of email senders mm-hmm. give you an unsubscribe option. But here's the sneaky, dark, nasty little secret about that. If it's a legitimate organization, the unsubscribe button works nicely. But if it's truly a spammer with not good intentions, you hitting that unsubscribe button tells them, it's a legitimate and active email address that's actively being used, which makes it even more valuable to sell. Wow. You might actually get more spam by clicking that link. Mm. So the other option that is out there, which is the one that I actually prefer, some of the more advanced email software tools like Microsoft Outlook 
allow you to actually create rules. And one of the rules you can create is if an email comes from a particular email address that you know has already generated junk or spam for you before, you can have the software automatically and permanently delete it the second it comes in. Mm. That's probably the best best strategy if you have to keep an account that's been corrupted by junk and spam. Wow. Okay. But none of these are none of these are perfect options. All of them have some pain involved with them. Mm. All right, uh, Andre. Any thoughts from yourself? Can, can, I, can I make a confession here? I'm sure. Gonna confess. I am an email addict, and uh, <laughs> I keep going back and listening to Randall. And I'm thinking about. You know, how do I start this? Where do I start? I mean, even when I take PTO time and, and travel somewhere, I've got my laptop, I have my, my iPhone, I've got the iPad. I'm checking this stuff every, I mean, I can't get away from it. And, um, and, and I, and, you know, I don't want to go through, through this uh, absolute withdrawal process where, you know, all of a sudden one day I just stop doing this. I mean, is there an easier process? Is there something, Randall, you can help me with in terms of perhaps a smaller step to to get to this bigger picture? Because uh, I definitely need to do better with again taming this email beast, and I, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm just not um, comfortable in terms of just dropping everything and saying, okay, tomorrow it all starts. I mean, is it really that easy? So is here's what we're gonna do. We're going to thank you so much, Andre. Andre, thank you for that confession. And, Randall, I'm going to have you think about it. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, Randall, I'm going to ask you to answer Andre's questions. So please be stay with us. We'll be right back with an answer for Andre on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by innovisions need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact innovisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services call 858-244-8264 that's 858-244-8264 or email dr g at dr.g at innovisions.org innovisions is a social enterprise of the neighborhood house association of san diego funds raised go to support the neighborhood house association's mission developing children families and future leaders of our communities through empowerment education and wellness Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the KidStar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. 
Assumed Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up-close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Assumed Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Assumed Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Randy, I'm going to throw it right to you to answer Andre's question. Andre, do you remember that movie about 10 or 15 years ago called What About Bob? Okay, I do. Yes, I do. Do you remember the, remember the line the character kept saying? Baby steps, baby steps, okay. baby steps. <laughs> Here's what I want you to do. Okay. All right? Starting tomorrow, I want you to start following that process with new emails. And when I say this, if you're going to look at an email, you're going to decide the very first time what needs to be done. Okay. And then if it's something quick, handle it. If it's not quick, task it. File it or delete it once you've done that. If you don't have a place to file, make it. See, you can do that with every new email from this point forward. Here's the other thing that I want you to do, and this might be the hardest part, okay? Okay. What, what I want you to do is try to give yourself a few times in the day where you don't check your email for about a half an hour. Okay. You don't have to do it all day long. You could even just try it once or twice. But just once or twice, give yourself a 30-minute break from your email. All right. And then what I want you to do is when you give yourself that 30-minute break, see what you get done. Okay. And see if that little change gets addictive. Because what I've found is by moving to this process, it becomes addictive in and of itself. It's almost like replacing eating bad foods with an exercise routine. You start to feel so much better when you do it that it makes it a lot harder to go back to your old ways. Sure. And so so that would be my recommendation of your two baby steps. Great. Start to follow that individual email process and try to give yourself a couple breaks from email throughout the day to try to get yourself more toward a regimen at some point. Great. That's right. I love that. I'm going to have to try that as well. Do it or task it, and then file it or delete it, and set up some times for checking emails. Very good. So, Randy, are there any other, if you think about your 45 key strategies that you've put in your um, book, Taming the Email Beast, what do you think are some of the most significant things? Is there anything else you would add to what you've already shared with us? Oh, there's one that's a biggie that I just love, which is how I can make a lot more of my emails less than three-minute emails. Um, A lot of us have emails that we tend to send over and over and over again. Basically, people ask us the same questions. They want the same info. They're looking for uh, sort of the stock answer. 
and a lot of us basically go back into our sent items folder and keep looking for them over and over and over again. And um, instead of doing that, which every time you do it, it takes you a few minutes to find that email so you can send it again, uh, one of the things you could do is take those emails that you're sending over and over and just save them in your graphs items folder so that whenever that question comes up, you can quickly pop into your graphs and then copy and paste the answer into a new email. So that way you're not looking for the email that you keep sending again and again. You've got it right there handy. And then what's interesting is some of the software programs like Microsoft Outlook even allow you to automate that by creating additional signatures. Most of us have a signature created, which is sort of the standard little, you know, template that goes at the bottom of a new message when we send it. Mm -hmm. So you can actually add in more than those and have in all of these stock answers as signatures too, and then just click the button. It'll put that text right into your email, and it can automate a lot of these emails that you're sending on a regular basis. And that one for a lot of people is huge. It can give you as much as an hour of time back each and every day. Okay. And what was the name of the folder you're saying? Put them into where? The drafts item folder. Oh, drafts. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Just when you're when you're making an email, you know you're going to send yeah. again. Yeah. No, exactly what Even you're talking the drafts about. Drafts folder. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. So Andre and Jenny, what has been your favorite um, strategy? that Randy has shared with us today? For me, it's really handle that and make a decision kind of once. Mm -hmm. um, decide really what you're going to do with it. Um, I think that that's really critical, and I, I realize I do some of that. So, mm -hmm. for example, I may get an email that has more a lot of detail and maybe it needs a discussion. I'll say, send it back and say, please put it on our agenda for when we meet. And then I'm mm -hmm. done with it. Mm -hmm. So really, kind of taking electronically that one-touch rule and mm -hmm. applying it. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it's, again, it's again what Randall just talked about a few moments ago. You know, you know, do it, task it, file it, delete it. But you know, take the small baby steps and and really give it a try. Consciously give this a try and uh, um, uh, see if it works. And so I'm certainly going to be committed to doing this. And I think. That advice hopefully will pay off for me in the long run in terms of being more productive and perhaps even a little bit uh, smarter. Yeah, I'm loving it. And, and, and I think I've um, enjoyed each of these tips, and I know I have some people who would really appreciate me using any of these to be more efficient and more responsive. I don't have a problem with being too responsive. <laughs> My problem's on the other side. So I could use a lot of these tips with regards to just not feeling so overwhelmed with the whole email beast myself, and I really love the strategy about the three accounts as well. Uh, Randy, I want to give you an opportunity to also share with our listeners, again, the title of your publications as well as your website, so if they'd like to learn more about this topic. Sure thing. The best place to find out about the book is just go out to Amazon, type in Taming Email. Um, it should be one of the first books that pops up at the very top. Um, you know, my website is my name, randaldean.com, R-A-N-D-A-L-L-D-E-A-N.com. Uh, that's the best place to find out information about me and my programs. I think I even have posted an opportunity to buy a, a replay, streaming replay of a recent full 90-minute webinar program I did on this topic of Taming the Email Beast. But there's also some video clips and other information and information on some of my other programs on things like Outlook Management, uh, smartphone uh, usage and things like that. So uh, if you're interested, best place to find me is right there. Great. Well, to my uh, co-host, um, Jenny Fermer, and our guest host, Andre Howard, as well as our fabulous 
um, I would say, guest on the show today, Randy Randall Dean, and author of Taming the Email Blast. I want to say thank you to each of you as well as to Valerie that came on and was listening to our listening audience so she could give voice to those questions. And, again, thank you again to our listening audience for tuning in. Please join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Matter.